quick note, this episode contains content that is not appropriate for all audiences. It contains curse words. Please use discretion. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of My Almost Dead Brother. This is Dan Knight, and I'm here with my brother Sam Knight. Hello. We are in the hospital still, and we're also with our normal, beautiful younger sisters. Hello. Hey. Katie and Andy, our technical crew, and our waitresses when we need it. Mm-hmm. Anytime. The coolest people you know. The regular crew is all here tonight. Today we want to start out by answering a question from one of our awesome listeners. This one comes from Becky Watts-Dean, your old friend. I know her a little bit, but you know her better because she's your age. Her question is for both of us, who was your favorite teacher? I'll let you answer first. I'd have to say at Provo High it was Mr. Rudder. He was cool. I never had him, but I know he, <laughs> he was, was cool. awesome. What was cool about he him? He taught English, right? Senior, Why did you like him so much? Because every Friday, instead of making me take the vocabulary test, you know, he'd have me go get donuts and some Cokes. Just for him or for the whole class? For the whole class. So I didn't have to take the test yet. I still got 100. Well, I'll tell you, my least favorite teacher was Mrs. Stansfield. She was my kindergarten teacher at Wasatch, and it's because for snack time, she made us drink tomato juice. Oof. And I threw up, or at least gagged every time. But my favorite teacher... Probably was Donna Hill, Mrs. Hill, sixth grade. But really close was my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Jenkins, because she was really old and she would send us out for recess at the end of the day and she'd go take a nap and never call us back in. So those are my favorites. Hill, I bet you're the only kid that voted for DH. Oh, you no way. Everybody loved Donna Hill. She took us bowling. Because she was in a league. Yeah, she was a great bowler. I know. Her team was playing right then. No, no. So she's like, I've got to get down there. They don't have leagues at the Wilkinson Center. She walked us over to the Wilkinson Center. We went like all the time. They do it discreetly, dude. It was like a secret league. Yeah. (laughs) During school hours. She just has to get her round done. You don't know. You never had Mrs. Hill. I know. I checked out of her class the second I found out. Well, if you would have had her, you would have loved her. She was the best. Instead of Mrs. Hill, you had Frederico in sixth grade, right? Yeah. I was going to say. He was your favorite. Yeah. You put him on blast, though, a couple episodes ago. I sure did. Yeah, he deserved it. Why'd you like him? What was so great about Frederico? Because he was into sports? Yeah. He was a San Francisco Giants fan? Yeah. We always had something to talk about. Before we get into it, let's give a little medical update, Sam. What's the latest? Um, I'm actually doing much better as of yesterday and today and stuff. My white blood cells are kicking some butt. I have all the tubes out of my body. No more drainage issues. Not even an IV, right? Not even an IV. They took the pick line out. But they were going to send me home or send me to another place tomorrow. But I asked if I could just have one more week here because I think I can get strong enough to be on my own. So you feel stronger and you're eating, not throwing up much or at all, right? I'm not throwing up. Yeah, you've had bloody noses, like big time bloody noses. Yeah, but only when I get a blood transfusion. You should tell them to stop that. I did. And the last time I was just about to deny it. I was like, no, you know, they're like, you really need it. You really need it. They put so much pressure on you. But the blood transfusion helped your white blood cells, which fought off the infection, which led to no more drains. And okay. So, opposite so side guy. I'm just telling you doctors are not that stupid. 
But anyway, so you're doing better. You're not almost dead right now, so it's kind of awkward. Well, okay, let's change that. <laughs> no, I've been a lot better than how I feel now before. How long ago was the last time you felt as good as you feel now? When I lived at Leslie's. So six months ago? Maybe. Something like that. Good. Mean, so you're heading in the right direction. Right. You're trending in the right direction. So that's yeah, positive. Definitely. And that's what the doctor thinks too. You just got to put on weight and get stronger. And stuff. I've got to put on weight. Okay. So real quick, our listeners, by the time they hear this, they will know the results of the NBA Finals. But tomorrow night is game six. Yes, Warriors. Woo! You think the Warriors won. Yeah. Right now, Toronto's up three. Three games to two. I actually think Toronto wins. They're going back to Golden State tomorrow for game six. Kevin Durant's out. You think Toronto's going to win on the road? Mm, I don't know which game, but I think Toronto will win. Well, call your shot. Are they going to win in six or seven? Who has home court? Toronto. So game six is in Golden State. Golden State. I think they'll do it in game seven at home, Toronto. So Golden State will win six and Toronto will win seven. Okay. Well, listeners, you know. I think Curry will go off in both of those games, but they'll be very physical with him in a game seven. If you could pick one player from either team to be on the Jazz right now, which player would you take? They're all healthy as can be. Why? Over KD? Well, he can't walk. I said they're all healthy as can oh. be. Yeah. Over Steph, over KD? Well, Kawhi's not that bad. Kawhi's pretty good. So is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is seven feet, basically. No, he's not. He's like six seven, isn't he? No, he's like seven feet. He's like Rudy Gobert that can play like a guard. I could beat him in a jump ball. Right now? What do you mean? With his Achilles tendon shredded (laughs) and you with your belly? Distended. Distended. It rhymes. That would be pretty sweet. (laughs) Jump ball. And you're in your hospital gown. I'd step on his foot. And he's foot. on his crutches. You couldn't even get off the floor. Yeah, that's the problem is I'd step on his foot, but he'd still win yeah. because of his reach. That's our sports update for today. So I've been thinking of a few questions I have. In our, one of our recent episodes, your daughter, Samantha, came in and was our special guest. And it was very interesting. We learned some things about your life that I didn't really know. Anyways, Did you really? Yeah, there's tons of stuff. I mean, I know you as well as a lot of people, but there's stuff that are like black holes. Because I had my own issues in my 20s and 30s. I was off different places and then you were off guess that's stuff. true but i didn't know what was going on every day in your life but we talked to you earlier about how you started drinking with your friends 12 13 seventh grade when you got into high school when did you start moving to harder drugs like you were smoking pot too is that right were you doing other stuff i was smoking pot as a freshman for sure and that got to be a semi-daily thing and then i'd say let's see the summer in between freshman and sophomore, I tried cocaine, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Like at a party? At a swimming pool, actually. Just snorting it, like mm-hmm. lines like you see in the movies, uh, okay. razor blade and everything? Someone's backyard? No, Riverside Country Club. That was when you worked there? Yeah. Wow. How'd you get the Probably co-worker 15. gave it to you? or No, there? it was that family that I did a lot of my firsts with. Okay, so I did not know that. Were there any major events or family get-togethers or events that you missed because of your drug addiction? As far as missing family things, for sure. I remember we were doing a weekend in St. George, 
And I had to drive all the way back to Provo. You were with your wife and kids in yeah. St. George? Oh. I just said, I have to go to work today. Sorry. I drove all the way back to get some more because I was running out. But another time that was really bad. This is when we were doing that all-terrain electrical that company had started. And I had this helper. And me and him got to talking about drugs and what we use. And we both liked OxyContin. And he was... Saying, oh, I can't get any, blah, blah, blah. So I said, come here, I'll give you a treat. So we drove somewhere, and I pulled him out right in front of him, and he saw... That you had a lot or something? He saw more than he'd ever seen in one place in his life. I had prescriptions now for it. You had a doctor that would write you prescriptions. Wow. That night was my little sister's wedding. And then the next morning, at like 4, 4.30, we were leaving for California, me and my wife and the girls. Like the day after the wedding? Yeah, the very next morning, early. And so we go to the wedding, whatever, and then there was a gap in between the wedding stuff and the reception at the library. Okay, so the wedding ceremony was morning or midday or something, and then the reception was at night. Yeah. Beautiful wedding, by the way. Thank you. It really, really was. It really was. It really was. (laughs) Candy bar. Oh, Gadfreys. There was a lot of candy. A lot of sugar. Then we go to the wedding. I come back, and I hurry over to my truck because I'm going to take my truck and go over to the golf course and hit some. Are you, like, taking it every day? Oh, yeah. You don't get through a day without. There's no way. How many? Oh, wake up, snort two 80 milligrams. Yeah, you have to stay on top of it. If I would have just taken them as prescribed, it would have lasted longer. So anyways... I was running to my trucks. I was trying to hurry, and I saw the extended cab part. The window was busted in, and I just went, oh, my gosh. I never hid that stuff in the same place, even in my truck. So I knew I had moved it. Before, when he saw it, it was in this Adidas jacket that I had in the back seat. It was on the inside. So that coat was tore to pieces. My truck was ransacked. Was that kid still working? He never came back. That was the last you saw of him. Where was your truck? No, my truck was just in the carport at our house up there. They just trashed it. I'm sure he told his buddies, I know where there's all this, and they just went crazy. And they didn't know me, so they're just like, screw him, let's do it. Well, did they find it? It was gone. And you were mad. I was super mad, and I was panicked. I'm leaving tomorrow, and I don't have anything. I had enough in my pocket to get me through that day. So I wasn't sure what to do. I remember I was just shaking a little in shock or something. Like, what do I do now? Were you thinking what you had in your pocket you could, you know, spread out over time? No, or you, you wouldn't that even... wasn't an option. So yeah. it was time to go to the reception. We're down there. I'm just stressing and called them and told what had happened. And he's just like, oh, dude, I wish I had more or could help you out. I had cash, you know, for our trip. So finally, I called that doctor. I remember that I actually had his cell phone number. The doctor that had been prescribing you the... Yeah, because, you know, like we got to be friends. We played golf together a couple times. He would go to the Masters, bring me a souvenir, like a hat or just something. So you originally started working with him when you had a legitimate injury? Or how did you hook up with this doctor? told me about him and just said don't even worry about it he'll just write you whatever you want your old high school buddy who later overdosed and died yeah so i finally called him nervous as can be and i'm thinking this is a hail mary there's no doctor that's gonna do that it was a hail mary he was up in park city yeah he's like well i'm clear up in park city i'm not coming down there i said that's fine if you'll put it in your mailbox or do whatever and he's like okay i'll do it Gave me his address. Then I had to call 
And he had to finish this job that he's working on. Construction job. Yeah. So he didn't get done with that till like one in the morning. Did you go to the reception? Yeah, I went to the reception. You were making all these calls at the reception or? Yeah, I just had my cell phone. I'd go outside. Yeah. So finally, I'm thinking, not going to go this late. There's no way. But he went. Why did you need him? I needed him to go to Park City and get him. Oh, for you. Yeah, we were going to be home and then packing. I couldn't come up with another reason to leave. Yeah, as you're getting ready for this big trip. Yeah. And luckily, Rite Aid had a 24-hour pharmacy. I had to drive clear down to Provo. To Rite Aid? In the middle of the night, I guess. Yep. That was my next big hurdle. I'm like, they're going to pull this shit on me. Even if you have a valid prescription, those pharmacists, it's like they'll do anything to not fill that script. They treat you like a criminal, so they'll go through everything with a fine-tooth comb and be like, oh, sorry, I can't really tell if that's a this or that. Andy, what's the date of this, by the way? It was April 30th, 2004. Things are probably a lot tighter now, 15 years later. Oh, yeah. So back then, would they have a record of Sam Knight has filled OxyContin prescriptions this many times? Or Sure. You'd think that would raise a red flag. Yeah, I had insurance then, too, and he was just like, sorry, it's too soon for your insurance. I said, I know, I'm paying cash. And we got in a big argument. I said, no, dude, I can get them whenever I want. If I'm paying cash, that's not a law. That's just the insurance won't pay for it. We got into it pretty good. I just said, look, I'm going to California in the morning. I need this filled. The doctor, I remember I was going to run out shortly before we came home. So he actually wrote me a small script that I could fill in California before we came home. But it turns out in California, they're already strict as can be. All the prescriptions have to be in triplicate and certain format, typed, not handwritten. And they're just pretty hardcore. So I wouldn't have been able to use that anyway. Okay. Well, that is quite the story. Did you ever go after those kids? About a month later... Me and Brian were playing golf at the Gladstand in Payson, and we were driving down, and he drove past us going up. And I was like, Brian, that's him right there. And he's like, who? The kid that stole my... And that kid, the look in his face was pure terror. And I jumped out and just took off after him. He jumped out of the cart and took off, ran straight up the mountain, and I was on his tail. I was just like, you are dead. I think I had like a five iron with me, and it's probably good I didn't catch him, because I would have killed him. I finally came to my senses, and I was like, this is stupid. He's going to stay hidden up there for hours, probably. Yeah, he wasn't coming down. So I said, our best bet would be to just hide in the parking lot if we want to do that, but... You never saw him again. Okay, so... My other question is, so you started using heavier drugs around 16. You said you snorted cocaine. And did it progress from there, or was it still mostly alcohol and marijuana throughout the rest of high school? Once I was introduced to OxyContin, I was pretty much done with everything else. That was the hook. What age was that? Or did you start off with other opioid stuff? Yeah. Like, like Percocet or... Yep. But at first when I'd get them, I would like trade them off for things to guys that loved them. I didn't really know how awesome they were. You were getting them legitimately from a doctor? Yeah, I had my knees scoped a few times. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Just some stuff. And And you knew such and such loves those so I could make some money. I'll sell those. Yeah, and then I got Doug a new pair of Jordans. He was on his mission. Yeah, when he got them, he was just like, oh, my gosh, those are awesome. All his companions were like, holy cow, you got a nice friend and stuff like that. It was fun to give him that. Yeah, that was awesome. It was cool. You know, they're all playing in crappy shoes you know 
So this is shortly after high school. You, you started using and selling Percocets and things like that. Do you remember the first time you kind of graduated to OxyContin? It would have been in the summer, probably the early 2000s summer. Okay, so that's a while later. Yeah. Okay, so your addiction to opioids started probably with Percocet or Percodan, or yep. were you still drinking and other things, or was it mostly just that? Just that. And the guy that was selling me the Percocet and that stuff, he would only sell them to me in a hundred a piece. He said, that's how I have to get them, which is a lie. And he would charge me like six bucks a piece. Wow. And he'd give them to me, and I'm just mad because I know he's lying to me about all of it. And he'll be like, so... Just for hooking you up, could you give me a few scoops for my girlfriend? They're not for me. I don't take them. I was like, dude. <sighs> so you're digging up $600 at a time for that. How long would that last you, 100 pills? Not that long with those fast-acting ones. I remember later on in my addiction when I was already pretty heavy into OxyContin, I'd have to take 15 at a time to get the withdrawals to go away. So you're burning through that $600 pretty fast. It lasted longer back then. I'd probably do 10 at a time. So I'm trying to understand the timeline. So after high school, you started into some opioids. Was this when you were starting your career as an electrician and you were married? Mm-hmm. You're married, you're starting your career, you're trying to support your wife and baby and pay for your apartment and your cars and stuff and still come up with $600 every week or so. Is that about right? Yeah. You know, I had no idea this was going on, obviously. I'm just impressed because your career grew, kind of blossomed. You know, you worked hard, you became a really good electrician. I worked very hard, a lot of hours. You worked overtime. And And I'd send my guys home and that's when I would work. Well, I'm talking before you had your own business, when you were working for... Yeah, oh, I worked every drop of overtime Dave would give me. And so you became a very good electrician to the point where you were able to leave a job working for another electrical company to start your own electrical contracting company. So that whole time you were on opioids. Yeah. And you were still able to pay all the bills, pay for the drugs. Were you selling drugs to help? No, I was making good money then. I could get guys to go with me. Like I'd see a guy at a convenience store and I could tell he's a general contractor. I'd start a conversation and then, you know, he'd be like, well, I use these guys. They're really good. And I'd be like, okay, well, you know, if you need something at your own house or just whatever, here's my number, give him my card. And sure enough, he'd call me in a week or two weeks for some little thing. I'd go over there, do it for him really cheap or free. And then next thing you know, I'm wiring all his houses, big custom houses and stuff. You made a lot of good friends that were general contractors. Yeah. Or yeah. salesmen. Yeah, that's basically what I was doing was selling myself and my company. And I was good at that. So at this time you had how many workers working for you? Oh, let's see. I probably had maybe between seven and four. You're spending 600 bucks a week. You bought a home by this time. You got a wife and you have two kids by then? I had two. Yeah, you probably had two by then because yeah. Samantha's Samantha was a little thing. So I'm just amazed. Your business was growing. Were you taking just a steady amount of drugs or was your addiction kind of becoming bigger or was it just kind of a steady thing? It stayed pretty steady during that time. You know, I didn't want to get high. You're just maintenance mode. But I needed to function, so I would have to take them. Okay, so you were doing that for years then, right? Yeah. You built a beautiful home. You were the general contractor for your own home in Highland. I pretty much either did all the work on it or I traded with somebody to do all the work on yeah, it. Yeah, I remember. So that was the longest eight months of my life. 
and you and your family lived with our parents because you'd sold your house in South Provo. Nobody in our family had any idea. No. When you're in maintenance mode and through all this time, were you thinking, I can just do this forever? Did you ever think, I can just stop? I was hoping to eventually get off. Did you try? Yeah, I did a couple times. I couldn't sleep and it would be miserable. And it's hard to not take anything when you know you have some out there in your garage. It's two in the morning and you have a busy day at work the next day. And uh, oh, the stress was just unbelievable. It's killing me. I remember around that time, you remember we went on a family trip to Island Park and we had like a week there with everybody. It was fun. I remember one morning golfing with you and you just started throwing up and you'd throw up like every hole. Really? Do you not remember that? Is that like a withdrawal thing? That is, but I can't imagine I was trying to withdraw at that particular time. Anyways, that's a side note, but back to that time when you got your business, your home, your nice truck, payroll, your drug habit that you've got to pay for. Well, we look great from the outside. Yeah, you had a boat. I had two boats a lot of the time. You were going to Lake Powell with your family. Are you like crying at night because you're so stressed? Nope, I had to remove my mind from that mindset. I think about baseball or... Read a book or something. Yeah, anything else. What was the tipping point? What blew it all up? Because you, at some point, lost all of it. Samantha mentioned when we interviewed her that she remembered getting awesome things for Christmas, Pac-Man Arcade, and you guys had a boat, and then one by one, things started going away. And then you had to move, she said. Yeah, that was hard. I remember coming home from work one day, and all three of my girls were just sitting on the front lawn of the house we were losing, just like holding hands, crying. Well, what really happened was one day I couldn't get anything. I couldn't find any drugs anywhere. You're out. I had money, but I couldn't find anything, and I'm just dope sick as dope sick. Throwing up. Yep. I was at the Walmart parking lot in Orem just laying in the back seat. Going, oh, my God. That was sick. And I'm calling because me and him would help each other out usually if we were low or out and stuff, but he's not answering. By the end of that, my messages were just like, you effing, you know, because I would never have done that to him. I would at least answered. But finally, I called that kid that mom hated mm-hmm. and told him what was going on. He's like, I'll be right there. He came, picked me up, put me in his car, gave me some kind of something just to calm my nerves, but it didn't really do much. But took me to his house and he called mom and dad. Did mom and dad come over to his house? Or they came you... over, yeah. And he started telling them all his stuff. Supposedly he was all clean by then, but I don't know. Were you mad he called mom and dad? No, it was time to tell him. You know, you needed something. Yeah. At this time, were there a lot of balls in the air, like with construction projects that, oh, yeah. that weren't getting done and bills oh, yeah. that were sitting there? Okay. Oh, yeah. So the, all that stress is still there. Yep. A million things to think about. It was awful. It was awful. But from there, that's when they took me up to LDS Hospital to detox. And then I went to the Highland Ridge place. Were they upset? Were they yelling? No. Dad's always pretty cool about stuff like that. Mom was mad, but she could have been more angry. So after Highland Ridge, I mean, all those construction jobs and all those things you were trying to juggle, did it all just fall apart? A lot of them did. did you try to pick up the pieces after you got out of rehab? Yeah, I tried. But the problem was my main guy, the guy that I was paying a lot and I bought him a truck and everything, he totally slacked out. Like stopped working? Yep. And was just trying to steal all my contractors. Oh, so he started his own business and tried to take everything. Yeah, but he said he didn't. So once you got in the rehab, things just started falling apart because you couldn't manage all the stuff and people were finding out. And yep. Well, that was good. Thanks for sharing those stories because I knew some of that, but most of that I had never heard. So it was enlightening for me. And 
Hopefully our listeners thought it was interesting. I don't think they're going to love this one. Why? Pretty serious. I think they like to laugh. Well, then try to make it more funny next time. Tell a joke. Okay. What kind of meals does a mathematician eat? What? Square meals. Oh. That's a dad joke. That's good. What did the clock do when it was hungry? Ate a timer. Went back for seconds. Good one. What does a unicyclist wear? Jock strap. (laughs) (laughs) No, a tire. That's bad. Sorry. Okay. Well, that's it for tonight. So thanks, team, Katie, Andy. For now, that's it. Hasta la pasta. Hasta la vista, baby. Over and out, friends. This podcast is hosted by me, Dan Knight, and features Sam Knight. It is produced by Katie Knight and Andy Ellis, with Larry Knight as the executive producer. Music by Dot and Then Dot. Check out more of their great music at dotandthendot.com. 